Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas and Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey, Shyhards! Welcome to episode 179 of Meet Us at Molly's. We're covering the episodes you just watched. So 613, 913, 813, wipe away those happy Berzig tears because it's time, it's time to chill. We're going to have some fun. We're going to let loose and we're just going to, we're going to rehash the episodes that you just saw because what are three hours? I know. So many feelings. So many so, feelings. So, so many feelings. And like a mixed bag, right? Because like during Meg, you kind of want to scream. And then I like- I kind of want to scream. No, you want to scream. Yeah, yeah. you want to scream. And then during fire, you're just like, mm, Stella, you're so amazing. And you just want to like root for her and be like, you badass, like go girl, get it. And then in PD, you're just like, why am I crying over Berzik? I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, pretty that's accurate. how it was in my house at least. Yep. As always, we've got a little bit of news. We are going to touch on that, and then we're just going to jump right in. So um, very late breaking, like 10 minutes before we started recording this episode, we got episode descriptions for episodes 15. These are the season finale. No, the the penultimate episodes. So the episodes before the season finales. Airing May 19th. May 19th. Thank you, because you knew I was about to ask you for the date. Yep. Oh, good. I'm so glad you can math. Okay, so Chicago Med is 615. This is called Stories, Secrets, half-truths and lies. I like that this title is like, it breaks down pretty much every single element of an episode of Med. Accurate. Mm, accurate. Okay. So Crockett worries he made a surgical error when a recent transplant patient comes in with complications. Carol is once again in distress and Will and Natalie must take action to right their wrong. Oh, <laughs> where do we... I, I have things I want to say, but like, do we start in order? Yeah, start in order, I guess. Okay, Crockett, I'm not too worried about because it was probably an honest mistake. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, Crockett, like, my heart, I don't want to see him sad, but like, yeah, okay. I'm not that worried about him. He'll be fine. He'll, He'll be, be fine. fine. He'll be fine. Okay, the, the, the wording in this part about Carol is kind of funny because they're just like, oh, there goes Carol in distress once again. Yeah. But, like, it's actual issues. It's not even, like, emotional distress. It is, like, physical. I mean, you know, she's sick. But whatever. Yeah, the wording's kind of interesting for that. The the poor person at NBC must see these promos and be like, oh, they're back on their bullshit. But it's like, how can I word it differently this time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How can I word it differently without saying, oh, fucking Carol? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Will and Natalie must take an action to right their wrong. Jesus. Okay. Okay. Wait. The first thing I think of here is that it's not their wrong. It's not theirs. It's hers. Yeah. It's so Natalie. So you're telling me Will's going to fall on his sword? Yes. Yes, he is. Because, like, even if they're not together, he still cares about her and he doesn't want her to see her go down but yet she's willing to take him down i i just now unless by their wrongs they mean the two separate wrongs hers and giving the meds to her mom and his and unblinding that patient but there he can't do anything about unblinding the patient no he already admitted it to Verani. so like what i mean what's he gonna do right i just oh man I mean, but I feel like we're not talking enough about how badly these two might have fucked up Sabina's career. Yep. 
if I'm Sabina and I'm like, woohoo, look at me, I'm coming into Chicago Med and these two doctors try and ruin my career, I'm, I'm pulling a Connor and I'm GTFOing. Well, and the thing is, too, is that like Will knew he was doing it. Natalie may not have thought about it really, you know, because she, at the end of the day, like I'm not excusing what she did clearly, but she did to help her mom and she kind of maybe thought about Will. I don't know if she thought fully about Sabina. Will did it knowing that, like, yeah, I'm going to fuck up Sabina's career. I don't think Natalie thought about Will. I don't think she did at all. But then again, I think even if she did, she still would have done it. Oh, yeah. I think she thought about it, still did it, because at the end of the day, it was a chance to save her mom. But I think she at least maybe thought about Will, but she definitely didn't think about Barani. Right. Because um, I think she thought about Will and was like, yeah, it's not really that big of a deal. But- uh, yeah, she would have done the same thing regardless of her thinking of Will or not thinking of Will. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. She just, would have done the same damn thing. The only thing that's going to, like, I have a feeling this is all going to be fine, though, and that's really what's going to make me mad, is that this has gone, at end of the day, whether it's the end of this season or the beginning of next season, it's going to end up fine, because let's be real, um, Nick and Tori are not leaving the show, and so it's going to be fine, and that's what's going to suck about it. Yeah, we got to find a way for there to be consequences, and without people being fired and then having to therefore leave the show yeah yeah because like we don't want nick and tori to go anywhere don't get that impression we love them right a hundred percent nick forever will be one of my favorite interviews on this podcast um yeah so we don't want them to go anywhere but like we also don't want will and natalie to keep getting away with crazy shit right yeah exactly so on to fire. Brianna, go for it. Okay. Fire 915 is called a white knuckle panic. It says Severide and Casey try to find the best fit for kid. And it says Ritter, Gallo, and Violet help plan an event for Mouch. Well, that's going to be amazing. I, I'm already, I love that Violet's already just included in all of the millennial things. Love it that they're planning an event for Mouch. Again, we've talked about this season how it's nice to see Mouch being recognized for all the good things he does rather than like the fuck ups he does sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I guess that means kid passes her. Not that we had any doubt that she was going to pass, but guess that means she passes her lieutenant's exam. Yay. Yay. Um, Which by the way, but you, you probably know by now that Brenda chatted with Miranda Ray Mayo and it was amazing and perfect and you've probably already listened to it and loved it we don't know how we're going to post it yet at the time of recording obviously by the time you're listening to this we will know (laughs) but yes Miranda is lovely literally the best I had the best time I love her and I am so glad she's part of our cast and she keeps it so real which is just my favorite thing about her yeah she's so cool she's so so cool which I already but I feel like even talking to her now like this time I'm like oh yeah she's so cool yeah for sure for sure so PD815 is called the right thing Voight and the team pursue a ruthless crime ring whose business has hit close to home as they dig deeper the extent of the danger becomes more apparent Deputy Superintendent Samantha Miller second guesses her decisions that's a really vague description it's really vague but that title, The Right Thing, I don't know. Just. Is it another Void episode? I, I don't know. Huh. I don't know. But The Right Thing, just that title gets me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know. All right. So that's all the news we have. Um, there might be other stuff that has broken between now and Monday, the time that we're recording this. Um, you guys are all the way at the end of the week and we are all the way back at the beginning. So congratulations. You're in the future, um, as we've said before. But yeah, there might be news that's broken since then. But right now, all we've got are the descriptions. So um, you guys are so good about the news, though. Thank you for sending us what you do. It's a great, great help. As you know, there's two of us, whole big internet. You guys help a lot. So thank you. Patron shout outs. We've got two new patrons. Two new patrons. Yay. All right. Andrea, I'm not even going to try your last name because I will butcher it and I don't want to do that. Andrea. Heis. Heis. Perhaps. Yeah. Hi, Andrea. Welcome. Welcome to the family of being a patron. We're so glad you're here. It's going to be awesome. All righty. And Jess, finally joining the Patreon group. Um, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Jess is a longtime listener she and she has, an, she's guest hosted before. She is an OG. OG. I have, do you remember when she sent us stickers? I do remember that. I have we had mine. a logo or anything. Yeah. I have mine like right here on my cork board, like right here by my um, computer. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, we love Jess. We love Jess. And, and Andrea, yeah. too, welcome. Make sure you guys request entry into the Facebook group. Um, you guys, I mean, if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please head to the link in our socials. Here's the thing, guys. We're having a patron happy hour at the beginning of June. Heck a patron yeah, happy hour. Via yeah, Zoom. we are. Yeah, we're going to chill. It's going to be us and all the patrons. And we're just going to chill. We're going to talk about whatever you guys want to. It could be the shows. It could be other stuff. We're just going to chill. My favorite is that I thought maybe for a second that time zones would be like a barrier because mm-hmm. obviously we, we have to pick it that's best for us because yeah. we're hosting it. Like we can't do it at, you know, as much as we would love to do it at like three in the morning, like we just can't. Um, but I was so I was afraid that like people in different time zones, like it may not work or whatever. But so far everyone's like, oh yeah, 10 a.m. Sure. I don't care. Like I'm going to be there. And I'm like, yeah. it's just so cool. It's One so of cool. our patrons is in Hawaii and she messaged us the other day and was like, what time is that Hawaii time? And I was like, I think it's 2 p.m. And she was like, oh, hell yeah, I'll be there with like a mimosa. Well, and like, yeah, Stephanie, I know, was in Australia and she was talking about like, oh, yeah, like, sure, it's 10 a.m. the next day, but I don't care. I'll be there. And I'm like, yeah. I love it. And we have, yeah, we have two patrons in Australia, don't we? We have Jess as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love, I love it when we get messages from you guys and you tell us where you're from and it's like, Columbia or like the UK or Scotland. I'm just like, wow, wow. It's so crazy. It's so, so crazy. crazy. And I love that you guys are willing to tune in and listen to two Americans just like ramble for two and a half hours each week. We love you guys. We love yeah, you guys. We yes. really do. So love it. Um, but yeah, we are. We're hosting a patron happy hour. So like you guys, if you want to support the podcast for as little as $2 a month, head to the link in our socials. All of our patrons are invited. Mm-hmm. Every level, two, four, and six. So yep. Yeah, check that out. We've also got other cool perks, the Facebook group, the bonus episodes, the discount to the merch store, all sorts of cool stuff. You can see our outlines each week if you really want to know how our brains work, which like, you know, (laughs) it's a lot of just I worry about you if you do, but you know, yeah, yeah. You can clearly tell when Bryna has done a part of the outline and I have because mine is just like complete stream of consciousness, like all caps, like what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So cool <laughs> but yeah that's about all the news we've got that's the patron shout outs i think it's time to move into the episode shall we let's rage let's do it let's do it all right started off with med just like always okay natalie will crockett this whole triangle of just like mess i'm so mad 
I'm so mad. Okay, but I well, no, I'll, I'll save it. I was gonna say I will say this one thought, but I'll wait. I'll wait. I get impatient. Okay, just that. Okay, so Ethan and Crockett, I was like, this is bullshit. Stop it. Now, or Will and Crockett, I was like popping popcorn. Like this is kind of uh, not saying. I mean, I don't like it, but I don't not like it. Oh, see, I was like, this is so stupid. I was more. I was more like it was entertaining. I was just like, ooh, like <laughs> oh. <laughs> This is, see, I was like, this is so stupid. On both sides. I was like, this is so stupid. I know, I know. Okay. So we start this off and Nat's mom, she has a dry cough and she thinks it's a reaction from the new meds. Okay, whatever. So Will walks into med. He meets up with Sabina and tries to apologize. But wait a second. He approaches her with like a full on smile with that Will Halstead charm. Like he's done nothing wrong. He's like, "Mm, hey, Sabina. Hey, girl. Like, can we go get drinks later? And she's like, no i was like what the fuck are you doing i know who do you think you are he's will halstead that's who i mean jesus i can't i can't like the balls on him that he's like he knows he fucked up he knows he like ruined her baby which is the study and he still has the balls to be like want to get a drink later william oh my god i can't i can't yeah sabine is just like "Eh, no and i do not blame her i know me neither me neither in Will's world, like, there there are no consequences. He just does whatever he wants. Yeah, he thinks it's his world and we're all just living in it. But, like, Sabina's, like, popping the bubble and she's like, yeah, no. About that. About that. Actually, no. 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 So, Crockett stops Sabina on her way into the hospital and – or, no, Natalie, I'm sorry. Crockett stops Natalie on her way into the hospital and he just tells her, like, he's been doing some research about Carol and what to do next and everything and – Nat just pushes him away, which like, oof. Natalie, what are you doing? Well, I think it's so interesting here that like, you see that her reflex is to push Crockett away and go to Will. It's not a conscious thing. It's just like her instinct. See, I didn't even think she was really going to Will. I think she was going to Will to try to cover her ass. That's what I took it as. I can't see, but I'm, yeah, well, okay, cover her ass. I was, I was going to take it as more of like, yeah, she, I was going to take it more of like, she was like, you know, she cares about what she did to Will. She doesn't care about what she did to Will. She is trying to cover her ass so she doesn't get in trouble. She doesn't care about what she did. And I'm not saying like, obviously she's clearly opening up to Will too, at some points too. Like he asks her about her mom and she'll tell him things and whatever. Like, I'm not saying that, but I definitely think a lot of her interactions with Will, I mean, obviously they were working on a case together. So a lot of it came from that too, but she's also like, so, Hey, Hey, what are you going to the security office? Like, what? why are you doing that? How weird. And then she like later, she's like, Oh, how, so what did you find out in the security office? And it's just like, Jesus, she's a bad liar. She's a really bad liar. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Nat's like, Oh, I'll read the latest, the literature. And then she's just like, bye, like boy, bye. She just it just bothers me Ugh, we'll get to it though well, and plus like you can do that with you know crockett is the kind of person that if you blow him off like that it's going to affect him deeply yeah we'll get to it we'll he takes it. it personally like he takes it hard we'll get to it yeah we will yeah okay so natalie and will they have a patient together and this patient has like severe abdominal pain like severe so they run some tests, whatever. That's great. And as Will goes to put the orders in, Natalie's like, hey, Will, random question. 
Um, hypothetically, if some random trial patient were to have a random dry cough, would that be a side effect? And he's like, yeah, it could be. Why do you ask? And she's just like, oh, I saw one of your patients the other day. I just, I just wanted to be sure. So yeah, she's not a good liar. No, she's not. No, no. So then he's like, well, how's your mom? How's your mom doing? And, you know, Nat's giving him the update. And as this happens, you know, you get like the, at first, like Crockett's all blurry in the background and then it focuses in and Crockett's just like death glaring will, which like, (gasps) honey, jealousy is not a good look on you. It's not, it's really not. It's not a good look on anybody, but But like, really not on you. Like, are we really going to do this every time she talks to another male in the hospital? Cause that's not healthy. I think it's anytime she talks to Will. Still not healthy. Yeah. Not saying it is. Yeah, but not, you know. She could talk to Lannick all she wants. Yeah. It's Will. It's Will. It's Will. Yep. Yeah. That's still, it's just not, it's not a good look. It's not a good look. And it's funny to me how, like, on every other show, we're just, like, pitting women against each other is so tired. I hate when Med pits the men against each other. I hate it. all the time. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, there's been two instances of it this season. Between. Well, really, you could say three if you want to put Archer versus Choi in there, too. Oh, my God, Archer. Oh, my God. Oh, we're not there yet. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. But, like, really, you could say three. And that's just this season alone. Yeah. Like, listen, between Will's stubbornness and, like, his perseverance to, to get the diagnosis, right? Between that and Crockett's, like, nurturing nature, you can put them together into, like, a super doctor. Their talents mm-hmm. together would be so good. But instead, you know, they're wasting time and energy by being against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Not great. Not great. So, yeah. So, Crockett walks, the Cro- Crockett watches on, whatever. So, Will gets a call from Kendra, and Kendra's like, we never got the medicine, so fix it? (laughs) (laughs) And Will's like, fuck, that's my responsibility, so I'm going to find him. Like, shit. You can hear in his voice, he's like, well, that's my career on the fucking line, but all right. Yep. So Nat brings Will the patient's test results, and she has a bowel obstruction. And so she wants to bring in a surgical consult just to be safe. And Will's like, all right, great, go do it, because I'm about to go to the security office and find out who has the freaking pills. And so Nat's like, shit, okay, fine. So Crockett comes in for the consult, and he recommends surgery, which I, this is why I don't like it when they're pitted against each other because this was not a surgical consult. This was a dick swinging contest. But the thing is, Natalie asked for the surgical consult. So, and, like, what? Yeah. I mean, like, he, you know, Crockett's just doing what the girl he liked asked him to. Yeah. And he's, he's stroking his own ego. See, I didn't think it took it as that way. I just took it as like, he's doing, see, this is where I was like, Will was like, yeah, no, this is where I took it as like, Will was in the wrong. Oh, well, I mean, I guess it's debatable as to who's in the wrong, but it was just Crockett was kind of, Crockett was going in there to recommend surgery as a way to like puff his chest and be like assert himself to Will. I don't know. I didn't take it as that at all. It's just not, no. Because see, for me, I took it as like Crockett was doing his job and Will noticed 
because Will noticed, I think, Crockett staring at them earlier. Mm-hmm. And Will was like, Will's like, what the fuck's your problem? And Will's like, yeah, because Will didn't really care about the surgical consult anyway. Natalie wanted it. Yeah. So I, I took it as like Will kind of being the asshole in this situation. I mean, I, I feel like that's a safe assumption on Chicago Med is that like when in doubt, Will's the asshole. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's a safe assumption. You are not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So Will's like, listen, surgery is not mandatory. Like you don't have to do what this super handsome guy standing in front of you is recommending. Yeah. And the patient's like, fuck you guys. Like if, if I don't have to do this, then I'm not having the surgery. The patient's a lawyer and she's like super high powered. She's like a trial, like the next day. Um, and she's like, I'm not doing the surgery if I don't have to. So then Crockett confronts Will once they're out of the room. Uh, you got an issue with me. You don't bring it into the medicine. Get over yourself. This is my patient. I had a difference of opinion. Then you pull me aside. You don't openly contradict me. Seems like a bad habit of yours lately inserting yourself. Well, you were one to talk. Excuse me? Oh, no. Come on. Say it. All right, you want to get into this now? Fine. Carol chose the trial. That's what she wanted. There it is. Everything was a go until you stuck your nose oh, your in. memory must be failing you because I didn't force anything. Natalie was fully on board with the LVAD. It's because you got in her head when she was vulnerable. Yeah. She chose the LVAD because it was the right medical decision. You think she still feels that way? Oh, man. I didn't hate this. <laughs> oh, I hated every minute of this. It was just really entertaining. I, I hated every minute of this. I was just like, why are we doing this? This is so stupid. No, it's absolutely stupid. But I was just kind of like, oh, get him, Will. Get him. Um, I get, Will, Will's dorky, right? Like, you never see him step up like that. And so to see him step up, I was like, oh, this is so entertaining. I thought it was stupid. I was, I, it made me so mad. No, it was definitely stupid. But I mean, I, it was like stupid and entertaining. It was kind of like, dude, where's my car? Very stupid, but very entertaining. <laughs> it was also, uh, to me, it was the end, especially, I'm not saying Will wasn't right about some things, but like when at the very end, Will's like, cause you know, Crockett's all like, oh, Natalie chose the LVAD cause it was the right medical decision. And Will's like, you still think she feels that way? I was like, oh, that's such a low blow. Mm-hmm. I was yep. like, oh, dude, I was like, why? Yup. Yeah. Although I, I guess like, no, maybe not. I was going to say like, kudos to the med writers for making the men sound like seventh grade girls that's not a kudos it was it's sarcastic kudos i mean i got that but still <sighs> wait have you even seen dude where's my car no oh god i remember seeing it in the in blockbuster in like bl- on, the, on the show okay well at least you're at least you're still old enough to remember blockbuster that doesn't oh make very so we used to like live for tuesdays when we could go to blockbuster and get the new releases i mean it's like the epitome of a stupid funny movie dude was my yeah. car I jennifer garner's in it i remember seeing it on the shelves in blockbuster <laughs> great movie okay so crockett texts natalie and he's like meet me on the roof so she goes up there and they have this conversation what's going on i'm sorry something's off i mean you say you don't blame me for your mom i don't but it's clear you don't want my help or at the very least you no longer trust my instincts i swear it's not that then what is it I've been open with you, Nat. I've shared a lot. You have? More than I shared with anyone in a very long time. 
It's gotta be a two-way street. Crockett, I promise it is not you. Between my mom and Owen and work, I don't have the bandwidth for anything else. To worry about anyone else's feelings. I am not asking you. No, no, I'm sorry. I can't do this right now. Okay, I just, I, I need some space. Natalie, oh my God. I can't believe she actually said that to him. I can't believe it either. It's That's so ice cold. And like, listen, I get it when you're not at your best, right? And you don't have the brain power for something, but like, he's your boyfriend. You guys just exchanged I love yous. You can't say that to him. I know that's almost kind of what's even more jar makes this more jarring is they literally just said, I love you. And now she's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's so cold. That's so ice cold that she like, and it's just her wording how she's like, I don't have the bandwidth to consider anybody else's feelings right now. Natalie. One part of me wonders if that's what she really means or if she's just trying to ultimately save Crockett. Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't want to pull him into her shit like she's already gonna take will down with her and sabina but you know she doesn't want to pull crockett in because maybe she does you know love him but if that is the case and she is trying to ultimately protect crockett this is not the way to do it this is not the way to do it and i don't think i would ever want to be on the titanic with natalie because she like her her choices hell are, no yeah hell no 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 how she she's just like it's just, it's not good. I, I don't think that she cares that she's taking down Will and Sabina. She doesn't care. No. If it ultimately saves her mom, she doesn't care. No. But then also her way of saving Crockett is by pushing him away. Insulting him? Yeah. Well, and the thing is that makes me, and honestly, in this moment, the first time I watched this scene, I was like, if Gina's a Will Halstead stand, maybe I'm a Crockett stand because my heart hurt so much for him when he was talking about how like this, he's been so open with her and like this is more than he's shared with anyone in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, my heart hurt for him so bad. No, mine did too. Mine did too. I was like, oh my God. I, like, I just felt so. <sighs> well, again, and mine did too, it. because he takes, he takes these things really hard. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, when he takes it hard and he's so self-aware in the way that he's like, I've shared more with you than I've ever shared. Like, you've got to give me something here. Right. The last person he probably shared all this with was his baby or his ex-wife and his baby mama. Yeah. And like, that was a long time ago and he's been through some shit and like, so it says so much that he trusted Natalie of all people with his feelings and with his life and his past. And he, she's just like, Oh yeah, no, I don't care. Let me ask at you least this. To him, at least to him. He's, she's like, Oh, I don't care. So Crockett finds out about what she's done. Is that a deal breaker for, for him? Does he end it? I think we had this I, conversation last week, actually. Honestly. I think if Natalie had come to him and told him that like, hey, I did something kind of not great. I think he's more understanding. I mean, he's in love with her. I like I, you know, I think he's more understanding. But like if this is when he finds out that this is the reason she pushed him away, I don't know how he's going to feel. And then that just hurts my man cell heart all over. It's It's interesting to me where he falls on the ethics, like on the, on the, on the the scale of ethics, right? Cause you know, like Will and Natalie are rule breakers, you know, who knows who the real rule follower is at Ned, I guess Choi. Um, 
I, I mean, Crockett's just kind of like somewhere in the middle because I don't think he's flat out done anything illegal yet. He's just kind of like gotten creative with some things, but. There was that one surgery that one time. He got creative though. Oh yeah, yeah with, with the. I mean, it wasn't illegal. It was like against the rules and he shouldn't have done it, but it's not like truly illegal. He's not going to jail for that. Yeah. Right. But right, right. yeah, he's not Will and Natalie either. Goodness. Okay. So Will runs into Natalie and tells her that they just admitted their patient. She's getting worse. They're going to do the surgery tomorrow. That's great. And Natalie's like, so, hey, whatever happened with security? And he's like, no, it's a dead end. They delete footage every 72 hours, which they do. Wouldn't you want to hold on to it for longer? I wonder if it's some kind of HIPAA something. HIPAA. Probably. HIPAA thing. Yeah, probably. Probably. So then Will is just very like, he just stops. He's like, hey, what was the name of that trial patient again? And Natalie's like, I don't remember. And it just kind of ends there. But as Nat walks away, like, you see Will's face, which just like, I, I, I love it because like Will, Will knows her. No matter what happens, Will is always going to know her and know how she ticks. Mm-hmm. And so he, his instinct is like, something's up. She did something shady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I am curious how Will is going to react when he finds out. Is he going to well, be angry? I mean, I think he might be angry at first, but clearly they're working to right their wrong in episode 15. So, like, he can't be that mad. Uh-huh. Yep. I just, I don't know. I don't know either. Don't oh, know man, either. these two. I just can't live with them, live without them. That's exactly what it is. You, that's exactly, that's Manstead. You can't live with them, can't live without them. That's their tagline. Yep. 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 All right, Choi and Goodwin are next up. Bryna, take it away. I will just say this. I thought this was a Pathas, like one of her best episodes. Yes. I yes. love this. I mean, I hated it because I felt for Goodwin, but I loved it at the same time. Yeah. Okay, so Choi Goodwin. So Choi takes care of this young boy who's brought in the ED after he was hit by a car. And so as they're trying to get him settled into the bay, the paramedic tells Toy that it was actually Goodwin driving the car. So Goodwin is the one who hit this young boy. And she, of course, is brought in right after. She's fine. She's a little shaken up. You know, she's got some bruises from the seatbelt, but she's fine. Also, Bert ends up getting called in, too, because he's still apparently her emergency contact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, th- yeah, this was really nice to see her, like, flexing some acting muscles that we don't usually see out of her like mm-hmm. when they bring her in she is like panic crying that is a panicked cry mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and she's straight up just like the boy the boy what's wrong with the boy like straight up panicked and, and and I also love how it was like all hands on deck how like Ethan brings her in and then like Will and Natalie are checking her out and everybody's just like oh my god yeah uh but yeah so Bert gets called in which TBH forgot about him <laughs> kind of forgot he existed yeah. but it's fine um and then yeah so we find out pretty quickly that traffic cams clearly show that it wasn't at fault that Goodwin wasn't at fault which is also kind of nice it was like because I kind of thought that was going to be the whole thing of the episode was does did Goodwin actually do it or you know like you know that was going to be the whole thing but it was nice like within the first five minutes to know okay it wasn't really Goodwin's fault you know it was just an accident also Um, can we just talk about how she rocked the hell out of like that active wear she was wearing heck yeah 
Yeah, she was headed to meet her trainer, trainer which like which I love. Yeah, at like six in the morning or something, which like girl, six in the morning, you find me in this bed and yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, but all Goodwin cares about is getting an update on the boy. And again, Bert's there because he got called in and she's just, he tells her to like, be careful. He's like, you can't be caught snooping around. Like this turns into a lawsuit. The last thing you want to do is make yourself look guilty, um, which he has a point. Don't like Bert, but he does have a point. Mm-hmm. Um, he offers to even take her home, but she like refuses to go because again, she just wants to know how the boy is doing. She's so just scared in this episode and she does yeah. such a good job of showing it. Yeah. So Dr. Charles updates her. Um, apparently the boy suffered multiple fractures and a traumatic pseudoaneurysm and aneurysm in his brain. And they hadn't been able to st- stabilize him yet. So Goodwin talks to Dr. Char- Toy, but he won't tell her at first, like what the treatment plan is. Wait, um, what about, what about when he's, she's like, do not give me that hip. Like, do not give me that crap. <laughs> um, he ultimately budges and tells her that they're doing a craniotomy. And there's an alternative option where they put in a shunt. Um, but the mom didn't end up choosing that option because, you know, she's barely getting by as it is, let alone if she had to take care of some special needs child, like should something go wrong. Um, so Goodwin goes to see the boy's mom and asks her to reconsider and go with the stint. And Choi's like trying to get her out of there, but she turned, Joy- Goodwin's like, uh, no. And then Goodwin confesses to the mom that she hit the boy. I was like, Goodwin, I was like, what are you doing? Does this explain a lot about her leadership style and why she lets everybody get away with stuff? I think so. Because she's just like them. I mean, yeah. And I think ultimately she has such a good heart and her heart's in the right place. Mm -hmm. And I think she sees that in like Natalie and Will that like, because 99.9% of the time when Natalie and Will do something stupid, like their heart is in the right place. Not that that excuses it because you're doctors and you took an oath to, you know, do things the right way. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not like they're being malicious to be malicious. Like they're just being stupid because they're good people and they're trying to help people. Yeah, like the thing with Natalie's mom, she is in no way trying to sabotage Will's career. She's not consciously like, I'm gonna take him down. She mm-hmm. is just her eyes on the prize and she wants to help her mom. And right. completely well, and in, get it. And same in this situation. It's not like Goodwin came to talk to the mom with like ill intent. Like she has the best intentions when talking to this mom. It just wasn't right, you know. It's but. like when Jay was talking with Angela West and he, he, she, he was like, yeah, so here's the deal. No, no. Yeah. So Dr. Charles goes to see Goodwin after the mom yelled at her. And Goodwin really opens up and says, you know, like this made me wonder like if I've ever really had control over any, you know, thing. And Dr. Charles gives, again, the best wisdom. And he says... You know, I just know that for myself, when I'm feeling scared, it helps to remember that I have people in my corner that love me. And like, God knows you've got that in droves, which is so true. I love that. I love his wisdom. Yeah. So then Goodwin and Bert talk and she apologizes and she's like, you know, I was just scared and feeling really exposed. And then I actually kind of love this because again, didn't like Bert for a long time, still don't necessarily like him, but I like this this moment he had he's like you know i'm always going to show up for you it doesn't matter the title like it goes deeper than that like we're family which i love that that's sweet and i mean hopefully goodwin can take comfort in knowing that like he's always there for her 
Yeah. So Choi tells Goodwin that the boy's surgery went well. Everything's fine. Um, but, and she's like, oh, great. So when's he going home? And he's, Choi's like, eh, well, he's not. Because apparently the boy was left alone because his mom's a nighttime janitor. So she's been leaving her sons, you know, every night. So DCFS is going to come step in. But but Goodwin's like, "Uh, hell no, I'm not letting that happen. So she offers the mom a daytime janitor job at the hospital so that then she could still be with her boys at nighttime. Oswald, that ends well. I mean, a horrible, tragic accident, but Goodwin... Goodwin used her position for good and you know she was able to make a good thing out of a bad thing yeah and again this is Apatha's best episode hands down 100 percent, 100 percent, or one of them but I think it's her best probably yeah yeah just like I feel like Apatha's just underrated she's incredible she's so underrated oh my god I know I know and like the the when we got to chat with her at one Chicago day both of us were just like what a queen Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, she's incredible. So moving into Maggie. I found this a little odd. It's a little odd. I think they had to use this to like set up what's coming in these last three episodes, I guess. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it felt a little odd. Like it's not it's not the fact that Maggie sought Vanessa out. It's just so it's almost too coincidental, right? And like, I don't know, from the limited, from the limited Googling I've done on screenwriting, you know, they do their jobs far better than I, far better than I ever could. But like, they always talk about like coincidences and how it's like not, not ideal. It just seems a little too on the nose of like, look how perfect this is that, oh, we found your daughter and she has an interest in nursing. Like, what a perfect fit how suspicious right yeah 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 so maggie is representing med at a residency fair but she's lost and she stops this young lady to find out where it is and so they bond over the whiz and wizard of oz again random topic to bond with the stranger over when you're just giving her directions so bizarre so bizarre so bizarre so we find out her name is vanessa that's great maggie goes to see dr charles and she's just like I found my daughter. Like, I found her. I met her. It's great. And Maggie just tells him, you know, it feels like everything in the universe was leading her to meet Vanessa. It wasn't everything in the universe, Mags. It was Google. Well, I don't think she Googled that. It was it was the internet. I don't think she, no, but I'm the, I don't think she, she knew that had a daughter named Vanessa. But then I think she just so happened to, like, and again, coincidences, but like, I think she just so happened to meet her at this fair and no. using everything she found out, she put two and two together. That's how I took it. You, so you don't think she like actively sought out her daughter? No. University and was like, holy shit, like that's my daughter who I didn't intend to meet? Yeah, that's how I took it. It's too perfect. It's too perfect. Right, and that's kind of my issue with it. Huh. That's how I took it, at least. Well, because I mean, she did the test, right? She did that. She did that test thing, so I figured she found out like her daughter's name. Uh, right, and, and then, but I don't think it tells you. Oh, yeah, she's a student at whatever this school is. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. She's studying medicine. I like. I'm sure it just gave you her name and her like, you know. Or is Maggie just kind of going on blind instinct and it's like, I think I found her. 
That's what I thought. That's how I took okay. it. Okay. See, I didn't take it that way. I took it as like, I, I learned her name. I know where she goes to school and that's why I was there and I met her. I don't know. I didn't take it like that, but. Huh. How did you guys take it? Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. So Maggie's like, okay, I got what I needed. Like, that's cool. I'm, I'm happy. I met her once. She's happy. She's healthy. She's safe. That's great. So then the program director stops Maggie again. And she's like, oh, thank you for repping that at the fair. That's great. And she mentions that one of the applicants mentioned meeting Maggie that morning. So Maggie's like, oh yeah, I met her. Like she'd be a good candidate. You know, the director's like, okay, I'll, I'll keep it in mind. Great. Uh, so then at the end of the episode is when we find out that one of the new applicants, or isn't it that, isn't that where we find out that one of the applicants is coming and it's Vanessa? That's all, no, that's all we get. I thought we found out Vanessa was coming to the hospital. No, that's all we get. I'm making things up. I mean, we found out we know Vanessa's coming to the hospital because of this and because TV line told us she's coming to the hospital. Is that why? Yeah, because remember, because the girl's from All-American and we were talking about how she's in a recurring role. Don't mind me, I'm just making up scenes now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think you're combining that scene with that. Probably, probably so uh, little it, it's an odd start right it, it's odd but also if it's gonna lead to happy maggie that's all i care about i will forgive the odd if it leads to happy maggie two things one i just feel like to me like it's clear that they were using this to set up the next couple of episodes and so it kind of felt like like it's important i guess in that way but in some ways it also kind of felt like a filler like it's just like oh yeah and maggie yeah it's just like okay um but two i will just say this i don't want this storyline only if it's going to end up in vanessa like dying or anything that seems to happen when like adoptive kids come around you know like or biological kids or whatever biological parents whatever it just feels like everything bad happens when those kinds of people come around and i don't want it if it's going to happen to her either okay but this is med it's not pd so like she's safe in that aspect it's not fire and that all five Herman kids are still alive no but they killed off Brett's mom when they were just reunited um they took Louie away so right I'm just saying Vanessa is safest on med she is safest where she is as a character safest on med yeah oh man 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 so that is Maggie so last up, we've got April and Dr. Archer. Not last up? No, I hate this is what I'm shaking oh. my head at. I was going to say, I'm making up scenes again. Here we go. Um, okay, I'm starting to get a real creepy vibe from Dr. Archer. Not, not a like you're a thorn in my side kind of an asshole vibe. I'm getting a you're kind of creepy vibe. I don't know what to think of him, honestly. Like, I don't like him. I know that much. But like... I, I just I don't I don't I don't get him I, I he's, he's I'm still puzzled to, he's starting to weird me out starting I'm still to puzzled. weird me out I don't know Brandon take it away okay so Dr. Archer sees April working on her nurse practitioner program applications um her chop choice is some school named Porter again another Chicago University we don't know about um but apparently she missed the deadline so Archer knows the head of the nursing school and offers to like put in a good word for her. And at first I was like, okay, I don't believe him, but like, if he's trying to be nice, I'll, I'll play along. Like, cool. Mm-hmm. So then he and April are working together on this patient who has trouble peeing. 
Archer's like, let's just put in a Foley catheter. Cool. But April's like, well, what about a super pubic tube? Because that would ultimately give him more long-term relief. But Weber's like, man, like, we're not going to do that. Like, let's just go with the Foley catheter. That sounds miserable, by the way. Yeah. So Ethan's talking to Archer and checking in, you know, because Ethan's been worried about Archer for a hot second now. And he's been working a lot of long shifts. And Ethan, again, just wants to make sure that Archer's not burning himself out. And then Ethan kind of out of nowhere is like, oh, yeah, and maybe a Foley's not the best option. Like, it might be time for an SP tube. And Archer's just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So then Ethan goes to tell April that Archer's going to go with the SP tube. And April's like, I suggested the same thing. And Ethan's like, I know. Oh, man. Uh, is, is it is it because it's it's because april's a nurse and Choi, you know was once his his student huh that's i mean why why did archer i i'm i'm more so trying to answer the question of why why did archer listen to ethan and not april i don't think he wanted to listen to ethan but i think he because he started to realize that ethan well, first of all, Ethan's his boss, so Ethan has to listen to him in some regard. Um, but I think in this situation, Archer's been noticing now that like Ethan and knows that Ethan and April had something or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think he sees Ethan going or, you know, he thinks that April may have gone behind his back and went to Ethan and isn't happy about it. That's how I took it. He is so petty. The minute somebody doubts him, that's the first thing he goes for is the cheap shot. That's how I took it. Um, But anyway, so they go to put in the SP tube and Archer sedates the patient, which April's like, that's not normal. Um, And Archer's like, no, 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 it's fine. Um, And then he starts talking about how it's nice that she and Ethan are still close. And again, she's like, okay. So weird. And... He even has like her take over the procedure. But when she goes to start, she talks about, she's like, you know, I'm really uncomfortable and asks him to take over, but he doesn't do it. I mean, he does eventually when the patient starts like crashing a little bit, but she, he doesn't do it. And she's really pissed. This was so weird. So weird. Like, what is he trying to do? Yeah. So then she, of course, goes to confront him in the doctor's lounge and she's really pissed about it but he's just like you need to work on your confidence like you're incredibly skilled like don't underestimate yourself that's not the way to show that to her right and that's what i'm confused about is like is he was that a whole a react was that a reaction to ethan not being you know or him thinking that she went behind her he she went behind his back and went to ethan and so he was punishing her or is that truly because once she heard once he heard Ethan say it he was like oh shit maybe April was right and was trying to do it as a vote of confidence but either way if it's if he was trying to boost her confidence that's not the way to go about it I I think it's weird here because we don't know his motivations we're just kind of like what the fuck was that right and that's why I'm like I don't understand I am glad that April confronted him nice and clearly and was not afraid to be like I am pissed yeah but even when he says like once he leaves she's just like what the fuck happened like what just happened like i don't understand yep 
So Dr. Toy talks to Dr. Charles and is like, hey, did Archer ever reach out? And of course he didn't. We know that. Um, and Dr. Toy is like, I'm concerned about him. So April's leaving her shift and Archer apologizes and asks like, you know, do you want me to still reach out to Porter for her? And she's like, oh, I'll let you know. Um, and so then Dr. Charles stops by and tells Archer that like, we need to schedule our mental health check-in that's been required, you know, this last couple months, like ASAP. And yeah, that's basically it. What the, what the hell is going on with him? I don't know. I can't wait till we eventually talk to Jeff and Steve. I have so many questions about Archer. Yeah. And, and where, what is this leading to? You know, are we leading to his PTSD hitting a boiling point? Are we like, Uh, I don't know. It's, yeah. I'm so confused. So confused. So confused. And I just, I don't understand what the point of that was with April. Like, and, and if it was retaliation, like, hi, bye, you can get the fuck out. Weird. Yeah. Just weird. Just weird. And I'm getting creepy vibes from him. I'm just like, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Any other notes about med? Nope, that's it. Alrighty, moving into fire. This was such a good episode. I love this episode. It was such a good balance of the serious and the comedy. And again, with the comedy, it's just been so good this season. It's been like next level shit. It really has though. It really has. So, so, so good. So good. All right. Start us off with Stella. Okay. So Stella's finishing studying for her lieutenant's exam because that's happening tomorrow. And Severide's like, you need to go home. Like, you know, you don't need to be at work. But she wants, of course, to use work as a distraction, which, understandable. So Ritter is manning the tower, and he gets a call from someone asking for Stella specifically. But when Stella goes to pick up the phone, all she hears someone say is, like, in the background, like, this is messed up, and then hang up. So she's very confused. So after they return from their rescue, where Stella was a total fucking badass, keep in mind, I mean, amazing, um Severide offers her pizza in exchange for doing like a couple more flashcards. We got we gotta talk about this call for a second. We gotta talk about this call. How the fuck did that guy get in the tree? He went, <laughs> he got hit the cars, hit him, and he went boom. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could see that. <laughs> so, but wait, okay, so it was like head on between the two cars, right? Or like one T-bone the other or something. How does that guy get sandwiched between the two and go up? Well, I thought he was in, there were three cars. They went, like, hit his car. His car was in the middle. They went like this, and he went out. And, like, squeezed him up like a pimple? Yeah, kind of. (laughs) What the hell? It still makes no sense. That's how I took it. But even then, okay, well, how did he end up, like, his back is towards the, like, base of the tree, right? So he literally would have had to, like land like this almost on his back <laughs> like a starfish yeah it makes no sense it, 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 it i almost was like did they just happen upon like two calls at the same time where it's like we found a random guy impaled by a tree and also there's a car crash right underneath it i don't think so this uh, this is gonna <laughs> bug me need to make a list of every call this season where we're like and what the how the fuck did that happen how did so that happen derek so we can ask derek so Derek's, so Derek's joining us before the end of the season, guys. Like, 
it's happening you will ask him yeah we're, we're asking him it's on the books so um, yeah. but anyway so it, just, it bugs me how did he get up there but Stella's such a fucking badass on this call she's like I think I can get up there and of course she does it and she's amazing and she yeah. spider monkeys up the tree like no yep. gear she just yep. flat out climbs the fucking tree yep she's such a fucking badass spider Stella spider Stella yeah anyway so they get back whatever Severed's like I'll give you pizza in exchange for doing a couple more flashcards <laughs> um and she's like you know what i love about you everything and he's like also pizza <laughs> which i love um so stella mentions the mount who of course is now manning the tower about her weird call from earlier and it's like hey if you if someone calls for me like let me know so match does get a call for stella also like while match is doing that he can draw he was like drawing a portrait of him and trudy and i'm like i need to know more about this i it's christian christian can do everything i just it looks so good and i just need to know about it i just need to know i feel like christian's got a lot of hidden talents like you know he plays music he sings and everything and so that doesn't surprise me at all that i'm like oh christian stolte knows how to draw okay that makes perfect sense well and then put a focus on it and i wonder if that'll be like a future storyline because like otherwise why would they show us that i don't know anyway side note again that was a side note so Match gets this call for Stella and patches it through to Severi's office. So this girl on the other line wants Stella's help. She's talking about, you know, she came to Girls on Fire once and heard Stella say she rescues people. So her situation is the gang that her brother's in thinks that she snitched on them, but she didn't do it. Um, but she can't tell Stella like where she is or what her name is. And then she quickly hangs up. So Severide goes to grab Kylie and, but Kylie's having a hard time trying to remember like who was, who of the girls was there in the early days. So this girl calls back and Stella starts trying to come up with a plan to get her out of there. I should have stayed in your class. No. I didn't think I was good enough. (laughs) There isn't a girl in that class who isn't good enough. All right? That's what I was trying to tell you when you first came. I should have listened. No one ever told me that before, so maybe I couldn't hear it from you. Well, then that's on me, okay? Not on you, because... Because I had never done that before. Taught a bunch of girls. You know, I... I didn't have anyone in my life like that. Not at that age. You know, to to tell me what my worth was. So, um, so I didn't know how to do it. No, no, you were strong. I think about how strong you were all the time. She is so good in this scene. I love this. Um, you know, when I was talking to Miranda, Miranda was talking about, you know, like one of Stella's biggest assets, especially as a leader is like leading from vulnerability like leading from her vulnerability and I just like I thought it was so on display in this scene and I I was thinking about that earlier this week as well about how it's just so interesting the way Stella and Kelly balance each other um you know in in all aspects but their leadership styles are interesting too because you got Kelly who leads by example and then you got Stella who just leads from her heart well I think yeah she leads from connection she leads from her art her heart her vulnerability I just Mm -hmm. I think that's what's going to make her an amazing leader not yeah. that she are, I mean, she already is, clearly, but, like, 
when she officially has that title it's gonna you know it's gonna be yeah. so good yeah um but anyway so the line ends up going cold again and Kylie's like okay I'm gonna go look for old girls on fire sign up sheets like try to see if we can narrow this down so Severide and Stella are like okay time to loop in Bowden um but when they're talking to Bowden Kylie interrupts because she thinks she's figured it out this is a girl named Malia and apparently she has an older brother who's in the gang so it fits you know the profile of this girl they've been talking to so Bowden and Severide are like, we're going to roll out to the address that we have on file. Like, see what we can find out. You guys stay here in case she calls back. So Severide and Bowden pay a visit to Aaliyah's mom's house, who says that she and her brother have been missing since last night. So clearly this is the same girl we've been talking to. Aaliyah calls back, and Stella gets this genius idea to have Bowden and Severide turn on the sirens while they're driving around through the streets of the neighborhood trying to figure out which house Ali is at. And once she hears the sirens on Aaliyah's end of the line, then they are able to figure out which house she's at. She's so smart. She's such a fucking badass. Like, yeah. Um, and once, you know, so Bowden and Severide use this like fake gas leak to get everyone out of the house. Um, and that's ultimately how they get Aaliyah and her brother out safe, which I love. I thought it was so fun. This was like the the whole fake gas leak thing was like so bad it was good because I mean you knew that Bowden and Severide were just they were winging it they were just like all we know is that we have to get these people out of the house and so Bowden was like yeah there's a gas leak and then you Severide, all have to get out yeah yeah and Severide just like started a random ass countdown he's like the house is gonna explode you better leave go 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 yeah <laughs> so bad so later on they're back at the loft and Stella's packing up her bag so she can go take her exam and Kylie stops by with Aaliyah so she can thank Stella and she wants to come back to Girls on Fire it's just it's such my a heart. sweet moment and it's such a like it's such a genuine hug from Stella like she's so relieved that she's okay yeah and that she made an impact enough on her to want to come back to like the program she started yeah which I think is so cool yeah um so Stella's like oh shit I gotta go my test and so before she can leave though Severide pulls her aside and he's like that is why you're gonna be a great lieutenant this whole scene right here I was like yelling at the scene I was like say it say it say it and I then know when he pulled I, her aside I was like he's gonna say it and then he said that's why you're gonna be a great lieutenant I was like no you say the other thing and then but then but then he tells her he's like you got this Stella kid and I was yeah! like oh. it's, <laughs> that's so cute Oh, I love that that's become a thing. I love it so much. Say it. So good. So good. You know what I just thought of, though? (laughs) You know Twilight? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Say it out loud. Yeah. Say it out loud. Vampire. (laughs) That's just, I don't know. Yeah, we were like, say it out loud. I know what you are. Say it. out loud say it vampire i know i had that moment um in that episode with bob ruzik a couple weeks ago when uh ruzik was like say what you really want to say and i was like vampire (laughs) oh man so good oh man okay but yeah so stella's off to take her lieutenant's exam um yeah 
So good. And as you heard in Bryna's interview with Miranda, it takes about like an episode to find out. So yeah. sweet. Yay. Our little Stella's growing up. Okay. She really is though. So we've got Donna and Bowden and Gallo and Ritter next up. Oh my God. This was so funny. This was so funny. Okay. So I love them. Oh my God just just the best and again every week you're just like this can't get any better and then it gets better okay yeah. so gallo asks Bowden if he can schedule a weekend off with him and ritter in like the next month or so because the young firefighters group is going to have a retreat they're organizing a retreat for the young firefighters group they're so cute, they're so cute. are we ever going to get to a point where anything they do is not this cute no because literally everything they do we're like oh my god so cute every single thing they do is cute Ritter rescued that woman and instead of us being like that was so heroic we were like that's so cute yeah I mean they literally just want to go on a retreat and we're like oh my god they're so cute I want to hang out with Gallo and Ritter I mean same but a a night with them on the Molly's patio would be super fun oh my god yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it would it would yes so Bowden's like, well, I can't say no, but I can't say yes either. So it's like somewhere in between. So Donna comes in in like crisis mode. Sweet, sweet Donna. I love when we get to see Donna. So the internet at home has crashed and she has to teach school over Zoom. And Bowden's like, wait a second, you can't just like camp out. And she's like, no, I need to. Like, I have to teach like right now. And I love that Gallo and Ritter don't even hesitate. They just walk in and they see Donna. And the first thing out of Gallo's mouth is like, how can we help? And I love them. I just, yeah, I love them so much. And so like they grab the monitors, they hook her up with everything. Well, and and Kylie grabs the standing desk too, which was a great callback. So, so good. And she brings it in and Bowden's face is just like that fucking thing. (laughs) Oh my God. It's so funny. And then Donna's like, yes, a standing desk. That's so perfect. Oh my God. It's funny. Okay. So then, uh, Yeah, she gets set up. She's teaching class in like the bullpen and Gallo and Ritter get like roped into kind of being her volunteer and she, they're the volunteers and she just happens to be like teaching physics. This rule of motion thing was so funny how like she was like, hey, Gallo, like push Ritter for a second or no, it was like Ritter push Gallo and like nothing happened. And before she can even say like, hey, Gallo, push him back. He like shoves Ritter out of frame. It's so cute. Literally the cutest thing ever. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And then there's the one where they're in the chairs and they're basically playing bumper cars with each other. It's so good. Oh my God. I love it so much. And then like, I love how different points at different points during the episode, different people stop to watch. So like Violet's watching at one point, Casey's watching at another, Bowden's watching like, oh my God. It's so funny. It's so funny. So then Bowden returns from playing detective with Sev and Donna's packing up and she just is like, you know, hey, they were so great. And Ritter's just like, I wish I had a teacher like you, like you were awesome to watch. And Donna takes that moment to kind of hype up her husband and she's like, you have a good teacher as good as me, like he's right here. And so Bowden gives them the weekend off. That's so good. Just, Bowden and Donna are just couple goals. Couple goals, couple goals. It, it was just, it, it, yeah, they're so funny. Just, they're so funny. And then just Gallo and Ritter this episode were hysterical. They just, just the shit really, out of Yeah, like, I, just, I love them. Oh my God, that was so funny. Okay. I love them. This is a rare one. We had two comedy storylines this week. 
We did. We that did. That like never happens. Very rare. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. I love this one though. <laughs> it was it was interesting. It was interesting. Uh Herman cracked me up in this one. So I also just love how Violet is immediately roped into all the competition. Like I just love it. She fits in so well. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. I love it. So funny. So funny. All right. Take it away, Brennan. So Cruz is taking a parenting class, baby basics for beginners. But he's been struggling with his swaddling technique and keeps getting shown up by some guy named Huxley. Isn't swaddling just like you take one side of the blanket, you crisscross him, and then you just fold up the bottom? Isn't it that easy? I think you it's maybe a little bit more to get it like tight enough. But yeah, that's the I think the basic idea. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. He gets shown up some by some he keeps getting shown up by some guy named Huxley. And so of course Cruz is taking it personally. <laughs> and so Violet's like, yeah, I'm gonna take you and we're gonna go take some dummy babies out of the closet and <laughs> practice swaddling with them. But literally they're so bad at it. Like Violet's even like, yeah, let's try watching the YouTube tutorial. <laughs> and whatever. So they're like, how does one do this? And so Herman, of course, comes to save them the day and shows them the ropes. And literally while he's doing it, he's going on about how Mouch and Trudy want to have like a country night at Molly's or whatever. <laughs> and Herman's like, but we don't have the clientele for that. Like, or whatever. He's just going on on this rant, which I love. It's so good. He's like subconsciously swaddling, like doesn't even realize he's doing it and doing it. Perfectly. Yeah. And then literally at one point, Violet's like, how did he do that? And Cruz <laughs> just like five kids. And she's like, oh <laughs> violet also got really into it like so into immediately it. she was like no we're figuring this out so once they nail it mouch overhears violet say that cruz is probably faster than herman so violet and mouch make this bet on who's <laughs> the fastest so they have it all set up and herman even lets cruz get a head start but, like, it doesn't do any good because Herman wins. Violet loses the bet. It's amazing. Oh, my God. Poor Cruz was trying to make sure every single thing was perfect. And then with, like, five seconds left, Herman was just like, boop, 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 done. Yeah, literally, he starts he starts doing the thing. And he even, like, plays with the fake baby. He's like, goochie, goochie, goo. And, like, he still beats him. It's so cute. Oh my god, it's so cute. It's anyway, so cute. but Cruz feels prepared enough to go into his parenting class, like, ready to take this Huxley die down. But, like, they've moved on to swaddling, so he doesn't get to swaddle in front of Huxley. He practiced so hard and got so ready to kick the guy's ass and then was just like, oh. Oh. That guy was annoying, too. I would have punched him, too. Oh, yeah, I would have, too. But, yeah. yeah, it was just so cute. It was, yeah, it was really sweet. And, like, yeah th there's eventually gonna be that speech where herman tells cruz like relax you got this like don't think about it so hard and it's just gonna be perfect also joe's facial expressions in this episode were on point mm -hmm. like some of the things like he sees violet like take the baby out of the closet and she whacks it against the shelf on accident <laughs> and he's like it's just so good there was that moment when they were in there and she grabbed the baby and she was like, okay, what's your baby's name? In my head, I was like, Brian. And I was like, we're going to get it. He's going to squeak it out, but no dice. And when he's like, why? It's just his face, his like, his comedic timing in this and like his facial expressions were so good. That baby's name is Brian. It has to be. Oh, if it's not, I will take any variation on, you know, Brian, Otis. They even want to come up with some weird version off of Savannah check. I'm cool with any of that. 
Are you okay with it if like if they if they do the whole like Chloe's maiden name thing and name him Alan, but then his middle name is Brian? Yes. I mean, I think it still needs to be Brian or Otis, the first name, but I'd be okay with it, I think. But I don't think they're gonna go there. Some sort of homage to Otis. Has to. Otis Allen Cruz. I'm okay with that. Oh, that's cute. Anyway. That's so cute. yeah, but that's the that comedic storyline. Oh my god, I can't wait to see Chloe and Cruz's parents. Ugh, I can't either. And we're getting Chloe wait. for sure again this season, and she's gonna have a little bump, and she's I'm so have excited. A bump. Oh my god, it's gonna be so I'm good. So excited. So, so excited. Good. Last up, we've got Bretzy. Look at you face palming already. I mean, I'm not face palming, but this is literally ugh, I love this. So, so, I mean, it's Bretzy. Do you want it or you want me to take it? You can take it. I don't care. Okay. So Casey's cooking because he's in such a good mood that, you know, his test results came back clean. So he's making like corned beef or something. And Cap is like stoked. He's like, dude, like Captain's cooking. This is amazing. Um, Brett's kind of down though. And so Casey notices. He's like, this is odd. So he goes to find her in the Ambo, ask her what's up. And she's just like, I didn't tell Granger that I was helping you. Like he decided to kind of break it off. Like it's a bummer, but it is what it is. And Casey's literally about to say something and the bells go off. So annoying. Um, 61 gets back from the call and Brett's like, oh my God, like, I'm so sorry. I dumped that on all of you. And Casey's like, no, like, I mean, I'm, I'm glad like all the stuff I've been talking to you about lately. Like, I'm glad you did. I'm glad that we're like, we were that for each other. And so Casey's like, you know, I think Granger will come around. Like, just, just wait. I think he'll, I think he'll come around. So then at the end of the episode, Casey decides to pay Granger a visit. This is weird to me. I love it. Let's play the audio. You're about Brett. Just wanted to talk to you man to man. Brett and I were never really an item. She asked for space and I backed off, plain and simple. I know you're a great guy and I see the way you're into her and I want you to know. I'm not gonna try and get in the way of that. I want her to be happy. That's all I want. You don't get it, do you? I'm not thinking about what you're gonna do or not do. Honestly, I don't care. What I think about is Sylvie. From everything I've witnessed over the last few months, She's in love with you. Why do you think this is weird? Like, it's just, it's very, like, behind her back. Like, he's trying to fight a battle for her, which, like, I I can see how some people would think it's sweet. I just think it's weird. But see, he's done, not saying that, okay, I didn't. I thought, first of all, this to me was, like, straight out of fan fiction. Loved every second of this. Mm -hmm. I literally think I've watched this scene now, like, 20 bajillion times because I've now had like a week to watch this episode um so I think I've watched it like 20 bajillion times but it's very it almost parallels in some ways some like earlier moments because if you remember like back when Brett was with the chaplain and they had some issues and Casey went to try to like talk to the chaplain because he wants you know he wants Sylvie to be happy first Mm. and foremost and so if that means the chaplain or you know her being with Granger like that's all he really wants 
So I think he does it in his best intentions, but I think it kind of parallels those two moments of like when he went to talk to the chaplain and also when now he's going to talk to Granger. I don't think he, I don't think it's weird. That's a Um, good parallel. But to me, honestly, literally the fact that it's, I mean, the fact that Granger is sitting here being like, dude, like she's in love with you to me is literally everything I've wanted and like is out of it like literally is a scene out of fan fiction to me but it didn't seem like a it didn't seem like that kind of a moment where Granger was just like hi she's in love with you it wasn't like that he seemed pissed off that Casey sought him out I don't think I mean I think he's pissed off because he's not getting the girl see that's not a good look either yeah I mean but at this point it doesn't matter Granger's over (laughs) I mean, at this point, it doesn't matter. And I mean, he even says, like, I mean, he's like, you don't get it. And like, if it was truly about, like, I thought you were making moves on her, like, while mm-hmm. we were together, like, I, I don't really care. Like, what I think about is her. And like, I've, what I've witnessed, like, she is in love with you. And so yeah. maybe not like mad that he, you know, about getting girl, but like, I think he's maybe a little sad because I think it's clear that he liked her and that, like, obviously, he's tried a lot of things to get her to like him too. And I think she did on some level, but it's just, he's not Matt. He's not Casey. Mm-hmm. And like he, that it, you know, it tried, but like she's in love with Casey. Yeah. So my whole thing now is like, okay, so Casey has had it pointed out to him that like Brett is still in love. Brett is in love with him. So like, where do we go from here? Yeah. Where do we go? That's a good question. Where do we go? Um, and like when do they have that come to Jesus moment where they sit in front of each other and are like I love you and I love you too like granted it's not going to be I love you's off the bat but like where what's that moment going to be people keep saying so you know that Molly scene that they filmed the other night for nine oh yeah yeah yeah. people kept saying because obviously people were out there watching the filming it's a Brett and Casey scene and apparently from what people were saying and the crew was saying like around them, I don't know, I've read too much about this on the internet, but apparently it was an emotional scene. I don't know. It's out in the middle of the street, outside of Molly's, in the middle of the rain. I don't know, but we're just leaving that there. Oh, so, snap. I don't know. But yeah, so we're going to get to sit on it at least for another episode, I guess. But yeah, I just, I, I'm feeling pretty good. I don't want to jinx it, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. And yeah, I love, I love this scene. Oh man. Literally the first thing I said, you hadn't watched this. You sat on it for like four days. The week I had. Literally, no, I understand. But literally I needed to talk to somebody about it. (laughs) I was like, I need to talk to somebody about it. So I texted um, my friend Lizzie, who's over at Fangirlish, (laughs) because I know she had seen it. And I was like, I just need to talk about it. And she's like also a Brett and Casey person. So we just like, we're going back and forth about it. And yeah. Thank you for being so patient with me though. Cause literally when, when we get episodes ahead of time and like I watch them before Bryna, I am like harassing her relentlessly. I'm like, Bryna, Bryna, watch it now. Go, go. Do you have five minutes? Go watch it. I need you to talk about this. Like I need to talk to you about this and now. I am too, but you were like, it's going to be a few days. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. Like, oh, but I needed to talk to somebody about it. So I messaged Lizzie. I was like, okay, Lizzie, you've seen it. Let's talk. Yeah. I, I've been moving. Moving sucks. Um, but yeah, the minute I found out we got them, I was like, fuck. I was like, I, I there's too much going on. Right, and not um, just one. We got all three. We got all three, yeah. Which is like, oh, fuck. It's a treat. So, um, but yeah, I mean, 
we'll, we'll see we'll see where this anyway, goes Brezzy. but yeah try not to jinx it but i'm really excited let's put it that way i'm yeah no i, I know you you are you were you're <laughs> and you should be well we don't know what's gonna happen with mansell but like at least Brezzy's taken off oh man honestly care about them more than mansell so i'm okay with it <laughs> so any other notes on fire no i love this episode though yeah what a nice pleasant episode like that was really nice i love i really like this one like a mm-hmm. lot i really liked it yeah it was really good really good yeah. so moving into pd stretch it out stretch it out literally stretch. i would take that drink but it's all the way over there um <laughs> what a horrific case mm-hmm. like horrific case but fantastic episode i was so invested in this i mean for the burgess and michaela stuff but also like this case was yes it was horrific but it was super intriguing i also think it helped that the first time i watched this was not 10 p.m after watching two episodes prior like it, it really does help like the time slot for pd just sucks it's hard to digest that much information, especially when you come off of Gallo and Ritter playing bumper cars and like laughing over it to me like, oh, we got to be serious now. Right. Especially just for me, it's so late. Like yeah. it's so late. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Right, right. So, okay. So the episode kicks off and Burgess is surrounded by stuffed animals and she's basically like, Michaela's putting on a play is what's going on. It's so cute. I literally wanted like she comes out of the curtains and I was just like oh my god I was like already wanting to cry and then like Burgess having the conversation with the stuffed animals she's like I love the theater like (laughs) oh my god eating the popcorn yes oh my god and like when she's watching Michaela like you can just see how happy she is with her like so happy oh my god it's like yes girl let's just live in that loop where happy Burgess is just like it's just happy Burgess Mm-hmm. yes perfect perfect so then we see Michaela or Burgess is dropping off Michaela at school the next day um she's having some issues adjusting though because like you know Michaela's a little worried and so Burgess is like okay let's practice hi I'm Michaela like hi I'm Kim she's like super simple super sweet um I loved the contrast here how like the minute Michaela gets out of the car you see how like the other part of her life begins like she literally switches on the radio and that's like her switching on a different part of her yeah yeah exactly and the minute she switches it on you know you hear this this horrific call come through and it's like that's like it's like the dark and the light in her life mm-hmm. yeah really really good so um she finds this so it's it's this she heads to the scene where like there's a woman who's been shot on top of a car and they basically like, at first they think that she like fell out of the window and that's how she died but that's not quite the deal so she fell on top of a car but she was also shot point blank and so when forensics rolls her over, we find out that she was also pregnant. Oh my God. So Burgess finds out that, you know, her name is Sophia. She's a national from Guatemala. And she also finds a bunch of what are called trouble dolls, which I think is something in Guatemalan culture where uh, they're tiny little dolls that you're supposed to put under your pillow and they're supposed to take all of your troubles away. So when you wake up in the morning, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Sweet, very sweet. Um, so intelligence, they get to the scene, they pull security cam video, man, they did not shy away with that security cam video either. You see her just, you literally see her fall out of the sky. Yep. Yeah. No, they, they like, they didn't need to go that hard and they did. Yeah. I didn't think we were going to see it. And then you see it and you're like, oh, 
okay. Well, and not, not only do they show her falling, but they show her getting shot too. Yep. Damn, PD. Like, damn. Yep. You didn't have to go that hard, but okay. Uh, so she was still alive when she fell, but then somebody ran up and just shot her point blank. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Horrible. So based on where this went down, Jay kind of locks it down that like it's right in the middle of two feuding gangs. And so they're just like, okay, well, it's a good chance that Sophia was a drug mule. Like that's kind of, it's a good chance. So Burgess in the middle of this hall, she goes to visit Michaela's case manager. And it turns out that Michaela's, or uh, Burgess is adopting her. I don't think we ever got like full, we, we never, we never heard anything about that. Like was she trying to adopt her or not? So that's the first indication we get. We knew that she had talked about it briefly, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's like nice to see that it's like almost finalized now. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, and then when she hands her the birth certificate and it's just like Michaela Burgess. Oh my God. I know. I know. And that's something, it's something Kim has wanted for so long. I'm happy that, you know, she found a way to, to have mm-hmm. it. Uh, so Alana is like, okay, well, you've got to select your custodian, like the person who would take over just in case something were to happen to you. Uh, and Burgess is like, okay, got to think about that. Got to think about that. And under normal circumstances, hands down, she would just be like, oh, it's Adam. But, you know, obviously they're not in a good place. So, so back in the bullpen, they find footage of Sophia. She arrived to Chicago three weeks before, and this guy picked her up from the airport, and his name was Alex. So they bring Alex in for questioning. All he does is the transport, and he basically is like, here's where I took Sophia. So it's Berzik water who roll up on this location. And it's like, it's horrifying. It, it's, it's like a shop of horrors from like a haunted house or something. So there's like, there's empty beds. It's like horrible conditions. And then they find this back room and like, there's like a main bed where like, obviously medical procedures have been performed because there's blood all over it. But then there's also like, what do you call them? The things you put newborn babies in. Yeah. Like, I put like baby beds. I don't know what you call them though, but yeah. Yeah, they're, they're like baby beds, like but the plastic ones you see in like the nursery and like the old school versions, you know, and like freaking like this is us or something. Um, yeah, and so R- Ruswater is like, whoa. And then Kim walks in and she's like, babies were born here. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Holy shit. And so they run some of the blood they found and they find, they find the name for another girl. Her name's Carla. She's also from Guatemala. So... Burgess being like the super crafty little detective she is my goodness she's like okay I'm trying to put myself in her shoes like I'm from Guatemala I'm in a country where I don't speak the language I don't know where I am I think the first thing I do is seek out a priest and Atwater's like all right girl like I see you um that's so smart like Mm -hmm. I I would never think to start there so smart Mm -hmm. um they look for different churches they do end up finding her and Carla tells Burgess about how she ended up in the U.S. and what she knows about Sophia. So uh, she's like, yeah, like she told me she'd get out somehow. So what they're doing is that the, like, and she, she paid, she paid the guy who brought her here, like to the, to the U.S. So she pays the guy to bring her to the U.S. so that she can have her baby in the country, in the United States and her baby is a United States citizen. So that puts her on the path to citizenship herself. Mm-hmm my god yep like it is mind-blowing the things that people will do to seek refuge in our country mm-hmm. I, and it, it makes you it, it, it makes you 
wonder just how horrible conditions are in their home countries that they're willing to go to these lengths. Mm -hmm. Mind-blowing, mind-blowing. But it turns out that instead of, you know, they, they would deliver the baby and everything, but instead of letting them go off and live their lives together, they sell the baby to an adoption agency. They sell, is that like, I really hope that's not a real thing. I hope that's just like something from the imagination of one of the writers. I hope that's not a real thing that actually happens. Unfortunately, I want to say it probably is somewhere on a black market somewhere, a real thing, but yeah, it's mind blowing. Oh my God. There are some yeah. seriously depraved I mean, people. I don't want to, I don't want to Google it because I don't know what's going to come up, but yeah. Yeah. If you Google it, I think the NSA is going to show up at your doorstep and be like, howdy. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> want to be on the podcast? <laughs> Ugh. There are some seriously depraved people in this world. Yeah. Oh my God. So Carla's like, okay, so the person you're after, his name is David Cardona and his boss is named Flacco. The minute Bird just said that, I was like, he's alive. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I was like, oh, he's alive. I was really hoping somebody was going to be like, oh man, like Cruz messed with somebody from, uh, you know, whose name was Flacco a couple of years ago. It was really bad. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was hoping that was going to happen. So they track down Cardona and Burgess starts chasing him. Now, the only thing that I've had in my head this entire time when she takes off running after him is that TikTok sound. And it's like, she's a runner. She's a track star. Because <laughs> like she hauls ass and she is like, nothing's getting in her way. I don't know what you're talking about. And she's the Gen Z of the two of us. I have no idea what you're talking about. I know. I know. I'm too old to be on TikTok, but I also love it. So I don't care. But whatever some of our younger listeners just heard that and were like "Ah, that's funny maybe i'll have to insert it here oh you totally should i will find that clip for you hey hey she's a runner she's a track star she gonna run away when it gets hard she can't take the pain she can't get scored she hurt anyone that gets involved so they're running and burgess trips and so she trips and like face plants too it's not pretty so at that point, Cardona gets a little ballsy and he turns around with his gun and starts shooting at Burgess. Excuse you, sir. I know. He comes close too. So close. So like uncomfortably close. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when she like, she scrambles to get up and she hides behind, you know, like a pole part, or whatever. A pole or like part of, what, part of whatever. It's a giant metal structure. Okay. Um, but like the way she like she she scrambles to get up and like she just like immediately shields herself. I'm like she didn't get hit, did she? Please don't tell me she got hit. Like she's fine, right? 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 Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so he runs out of bullets and she gets him instead. And oh my god, when she gets him, this is like it's not a simple like oh I shot you. I you know like I did it within you know the you know I, I did it as a cop. I had to whatever. Oh, she shoots him Voight style, one hand, like bam. One hand Voight style with like the death glare. Mm-hmm. Damn girl, like Burgess has a dark side too. It's not just Stuckton. She definitely does. They've all got that dark side, but man, yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, so she shoots him, and then Adam kind of brings up the rear, and it's like I feel like at this point we need to just make a super cut of every time Ruzik like rolls up when Kim's endangered. He's like Kim, just like a super cut. It's so good. It's so good. So they find out Cardona is not the one who killed Sophia. The bullets don't match, but um, Voight asks her about IRT and she's just like, well, you know, they have to do their, they have to do their thing, but they said it's pretty clean cut that it's like a clear shoot. And 
Adam doesn't have to say anything in this moment. He can just stay silent. He can just, you know, sit, sit there. He, he doesn't have to do anything. And he says, I can vouch for that. You're going to tell me that Burgess still thinks that this man is not ready for a relationship. You know the maturity he shows in that moment? We'll talk about th- his maturity at the end, too. That is what we call taking the high road. That is like the dictionary definition of taking the high road. Just preach, Gina. She heard him so badly in that episode of Disco Bob when she was like, what did you do? She heard him so badly. And in that moment where he could get revenge, he chooses not to, and he has her back. Like, you're really going to sit here and tell me, oh, it's not real, or oh, she's not ready. I love when you get preachy about Berzik. Like, can I be part of two defense squads? Can I be on the Will Halstead defense squad and the Adam Adam Ruzik defense? I I'm with Adam. you on the Adam Ruzik one, 100%. I almost just called him Adam Berzik. <laughs> <laughs> but like, let's be real, that should be his name. Adam uh, Berzik. Adam Berzik, yeah. That, that, that's his name now, Adam Berzik. But like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm shamelessly team Adam because just he has shown her over and over again on like an endless loop since like season okay let's say seasons four and five let's break for six because we don't talk about six and then seven and eight he has shown her four seasons that over and over again that like i am ready to be this man that you want me to be so i can be with you over and over and she's just like me 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 i'm good me that's my rant that's my rant it's so good. He's so so adulty in this moment, though. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Anyway, Adam Rusick loves Kim Burgess. Okay, and it kills me. <laughs> oh man, you're not I, wrong. You're not wrong. I I just you just say it better than I could have said it. So I'm like Stella. Stella leads from the heart. I rage from the heart. <laughs> Yeah. So as they're getting ready to leave the scene, Kim thanks Adam. And she's just like, thank you. And he's like, it's just doing my job. And she's like, I know you're pissed at me. So like, I get it, but you're going to have to find a way to let me back in at some point. That wasn't, that there was, he wasn't like, there was no hidden motive in that. He was literally just having her back. Mm -hmm. And so she's like you're gonna have to let me back in at some point which like coming from Burgess that's rich yeah I know yeah that's rich like he's not the one who needs to let you in you're the one who needs to let him in mm-hmm. and I love Burgess I really do but man she's stubborn yep so stubborn and Adam doesn't say anything and he's just like you're gonna need a new jacket because she got a bullet hole through the jacket which means did she get hit in the vest no, it hit, like, the tail end of her jacket, like, the, you know, the very bottom, like, corner. She's so, lucky. Like, yeah, she's, she's, yeah, damn lucky. I just, sometimes I feel like Berzik is a little one-sided. It's, sometimes I feel like Burgess is, like, Burgess only lets Ruzik in when she needs him for something. You're not wrong. Sometimes, or I feel, I'd say, I'd say this recently. Fair. I'd say since the push test. Fuck Roman. But like, cause I don't feel like I didn't feel like that the first couple seasons. I feel like 
in like a season in a post season four world then yes yeah i think that's fair but yeah <sighs> man take it from here so i can stop raging okay so that night burgess is at home just drinking some wine and she hears michaela scream and michaela's worried that someone's going to come get her and so then we end up seeing them back at her social worker's office and she just thinks that burgess's job is feeding into michaela's night terrors and she's like you know michaela knows that if something happens to you like what's going to happen to her like you're all she's got and then of course like right at that moment burgess gets called back to work so she's like i i I gotta go the way alana lays it out too i was like really like you forget how much michaela's been through and she's only Mm -hmm. like if she's in school she's what like maybe five or six like yeah probably she's little she's really little and the fact that yeah she saw she saw her mom be murdered right in front of her and it was her dad her, who like yeah. got an emotion my god well, and kim was there with her through the whole thing right like alana pointed out in a way that i didn't really think about either like she's seen kim with a gun because when she met kim she was a cop like the cop that was protecting her yeah and so you know she's seen a lot kim do a lot of shit too mm-hmm. um so yeah. yeah um but anyway so Kim gets go Kim goes back to work. They ran Cardona's burner phone and found where he had set up a meet with this Dr. Bruce Wagner, who used to be an OBGYN before he started prescribing opioids to himself. So his license was revoked. Mm. Not, so not good. They bring him in. Burgess starts questioning him, but his her phone keeps going off. So it's Michaela's school. So she rushes over there because Michaela this hurt my heart locked herself in the closet and she won't come out and so Michaela ends up talking Burgess is like talking to her through the closet door and Michaela tells her that like she wishes things could go back to like the way they were like you know she misses her mom and like Burgess is just so good with her in this moment like so good and like gets her out of the closet and Michaela gives her the biggest hug and Burgess is like, I keep telling everyone how brave you are, but you shouldn't have to be brave. Like, you're too little to be brave. Oh, my God. It's so oh sweet. Oh, my God. I wanted to cry. That moment when she's like, can you at least just let me know you're okay? And you just see her tiny little fingers, like, do the bottom right. of the And door. then Kim puts hers over them. Like, oh, oh, my, my God. God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Tears, at, te- tugs at my heartstrings. So sweet. So Burgess goes back to the district for questioning Dr. Wagner. And she plays to his caring side and is ultimately able to get him, you know, get information out of him. Um, And he doesn't know who Flacco is, but does give them this guy, Wilson Richards, who runs an adoption agency. So Richards buys the babies from Flacco for 40 grand and then charges the families 80 grand for them. What a disgusting human being. Yeah, he can go rot in hell for all I care buys and sells babies yep Yep. Uh, insane insane so they end up arresting this guy richards and he gives in easily and gives them all the information they want so apparently flacco is this guy named javier ortiz and he is the one that killed sophia and according to this guy, Wilson Richards, he told Ortiz to lay low at some property Richards bought in this place, New City. And that's where they held some other girls, too. So intelligence rolls up to the property in, and they end up finding Flacco. And 
he takes one girl hostage and starts shooting at Ruzik and Burgess. And Ruzik is yelling at Burgess, but Burgess freezes for a second. Yeah. And ultimately, she ends up saving the day because she ends up, once she kind of gets out of, snaps out of it, she ends up going behind Flacco and like putting a gun to his head and makes her, makes him drop his gun. Um, so, but yeah, she freezes for a hot second. Did you catch the, like, I don't know if it was intended symbolism or not, but how, you know, at the beginning of the episode, she's like, oh, I love the theater. And when they go in to find Flacco, it's an abandoned theater. No, I didn't, but... I don't know if that was intended, but I don't know either. But also with that crane shot of the theater when they pull back, oh my God, what a gorgeous venue. Yeah. Well, even when they're coming in and they're all like split up in the lines and you see like the pan shot Mm -hmm. and even for a second, you're not even seeing them, but then all of a sudden you see Atwater. It's just, it's so cool. Gorgeous. Yeah. the, Yeah. the, The camera work has been gorgeous lately. Yeah. So again, they get Flacco. All's good. So Burgess is heading out of district for the night and Platt tells her they're actually going to be able to return Carla's baby to her. So good news. So Burgess opens up to Platt and tells her that she hesitated during their raid and that she was not scared for her, not for her though, but because of Michaela. You've given her a second chance at life and that is worth protecting. And I wonder if this is why the universe is telling you to name your guardian, your backup. I wonder if you'd hesitate the same way if you had that peace of mind. Maybe. Burgess. What? Anybody would be honored to participate in what you're doing with her. I love, even though we've barely had any plat this season, like they gave it to us in the best moment they could have given her to us. Yes, absolutely. And you see just how how their relationship has evolved between Platt and Burgess. Like in the past, if Burgess had a question, Platt would like tease her. Platt would give her grief or something. Platt would give her crap. And now it's just cuts right to the chase. And it's like, oh, here's the advice you need. Well, and it's like, I mean, there was still a little teasing at the very end, but like she still gave the advice she needed first and then teased her. (laughs) Don't you dare pick me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Trudy. It's so good though. Yeah, it's so, it's so good. And I'm, I'm so glad that Kim has Trudy. And like still has Trudy to this day. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've seen it. And, but it was so man, so worth it. So, so worth it. Yeah. So Burgess texts Ruzik and it's like, Hey, come over. Like it's urgent. So of course he comes right over right away. And she, you know, pulls him in the hallway. Cause Michaela's asleep and she just talks to him. I'm naming you as my custodian in the adoption. Like, if anything happens to me, you're the one who's going to take care of me, Kayla. I'm a little confused. I mean, you remember what's been going on, the questions you've had about me? I mean, things haven't been too good between us. I know. Okay, so is it about that, or is it about this case, what went down? No, it's not about either. Okay, why would you do that then? Because we're supposed to have a baby together, dummy. (sighs) Because we're family. Because you and I are a lot of things, including pretty screwed up. (laughs) Who knows if we'll ever really get our act together, but our last name is Burgess now, Adam. And um, 
one thing that we can be, you and I, is, is we can be this whole big round thing that can surround and protect her. You know, even if Michaela doesn't know it exists. And I need that. That's the only way that I can do this. Be a good mom and be the kind of cop that I need to be. Obviously, you can say no, but I'm. Could you just think about it? I don't need to think about it. It's a yes, of course. I'm honored that you'd ask me. My Berserk heart. Like, I was so worried for a second because, you know, they showed this part in the promo, and I was like, oh shit, like, what if Music says no? And then Burgess is going to give up Michaela, and this is going to end like a Louis situation. And I just don't know how I'm going to feel about that. But I'm so glad that's not what this is. I was crying in Berzik. Like, I, I, I just, oh my God. I don't think it was ever a question for Ruzik. I, I, I think, he, yeah, I, it was never a question. And like, that's that's what kills me about adam is that like where kim is concerned he will move mountains mm-hmm. he will bend well, over backwards she, he will figure it out she even makes that like little joke though she's like oh well you know michaela is a burgess now and like literally he would do anything for the burgess women like oh have the last if she has the last thing burgess adam is there oh my god and the way she breaks it down and she's like we can be this thing that protects her i was like oh <laughs> i know i was like oh my god oh that's you the Berziks are getting a second chance at parenthood oh my god it's, oh my it's god. so beautiful it's, it's it is that's exactly that's the perfect word it's beautiful i like want to cry even just like thinking yeah about like that's what made me teary i would just how like like it was Ruzik was like I don't need to think about it like hell yes I'm in what do I do like like and he's like yeah do I need to sign something and she's like no let's shake on it oh my god and he was like I'm honored that you would ask me he's such an adult this is so mature I literally loved every second about this oh my god I just every second like they're getting their second chance at parenthood just let that like sink in I know. And I've thought about it a lot today, especially because our friend Jackie, you know, who's been rewatching, she just kind of finished the Burgess losing the baby arc. Mm-hmm. And she's been, you know, crying. Obviously, I wasn't going to tell her, you know, all this stuff, but it's like thinking about how full circle we've come from like last year to now. And like, oh man. It's so I good. really thought this was going to end in Kim being like, my job's too risky. Like, it's not good for me to keep her. I'm so glad that it ended in adoption. Yeah. I'm so, so glad. that And that she realized, no, like, I can balance both. Mm-hmm. Like, I can be a good mom and be there for her in the way that she needs, but also be a badass detective. Well, she's not a detective yet, but officer, police officer, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a good episode. I know. This really was. Absolutely honestly, horrific like, case, but such a good episode. This honestly may be my favorite episode this year it's it's up there it's yeah and I I went looking earlier to see who wrote it I couldn't find it um no but I really I I really would not be surprised if this was another Scott Gold episode screener probs but yeah yeah Scott wrote the Disco Bob episode that was just incredible um but oh oh my god just like just sit back for a second and just revel in that that like Mm -hmm. they're getting their second shot amazing 
I like now that Ruzik is on board. I mean, I've got to see Uncle Kevin. Oh my God, yes. I need to see Uncle Kevin. I need a scene of like Ruzik and Atwater over at Burgess's place, like playing with her. I need oh. it. Oh my God. And like in the dress up, like are them sitting in that audience when she's doing her show in the, you know, I just, I can't. Oh my God. Oh my oh, God. Man. And then like, I mean, she, like, she's going to view the rest of the, like, I mean, so she, she'll have Ruzik and Atwater and then she'll also have like Aunt Haley and Uncle Jay. Mm-hmm. And then Uncle Voight, I guess Uncle Hank. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Hank. I like that better. Human. Oh my more. god. Oh my god. Yeah. I think Adam will probably just be Adam to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, oh man. man. Now I will. I, I just. I not. I'm not trying to be like a downer or anything. But that last shot when they pull back and you still see the jacket, that better not have been foreshadowing. I don't know. I, I mean, clearly it was for something, but I don't know what it was for yet. I hope it was just a reminder of like danger still out there and not yeah. any sort of foreshadowing. That's kind of how I took it, but I don't know. Yeah. So. What a good episode. So good. Just a very good cathartic night of one Chicago. Eh, except for Meg, but yeah. Sometimes it feels good to get the rage out too. That too. Med is always good for that. <laughs> Any other notes on PD? Nope. It's a good night. It was a good night. All right, guys, you heard us break down this week's episodes. And now, without further ado, here is our interview with Caitlin Shinnette. Welcome to the podcast, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. So, uh, yeah, so we just want to kind of get to know you a little bit, introduce you to the listeners, just have a nice little chat. And so, uh, you know, you're, you're pretty new to both acting and Chicago fire. So tell us how did, how did you get into acting originally? Yeah. So, um, I, I've kind of had like an affinity from a very early age for like stories, storytelling, you know, I was always the kid that had my nose in a book. I really wanted to be a writer when I grew up. Um, So that kind of drive to create and connect in that way has been in me from a very young age. Um, But I also like, I was such a shy kid and had really, really bad stage fright in middle school. Um, So the idea of like getting up on stage and performing was literally like my worst nightmare. (laughs) Um, But then my freshman year of high school, uh, I had a couple friends who were getting involved in the um, school's drama department. And I had done like a little bit of stuff with them up to that point, just like behind the scenes stage crew kind of things. But for this particular show, it was a fall like experimental show where it was called Students on Stage. And it was a series of one act plays that were completely student written, student directed and student acted. Um, And my friends were auditioning for the show and really wanted me to audition with them for some reason. And I don't remember how, but they managed to convince me to do it. (laughs) And from that audition, I just like, completely fell in love with acting. Um, Like I very vividly remember reading the sides for the first time and I was terrified, but I was also really excited and intrigued. And it was like this fire was kind of lit inside of me that I didn't even know was there. And I ended up actually getting one of the lead roles in one of those one act plays. And that was kind of like the beginning of the end, so to speak. Um, so yeah, from there, I just like 
wanted to be a part of anything that I could get my hands on. And I was really fortunate in high school to have um, a drama professor that was so passionate about theater and the arts that she wanted nothing more than to share that with her students. And she very much succeeded. Like her love was just so infectious that it rubbed off on all the rest of us. Um, so I just want to give her a little shout out. Um, her name is Kevin Yale Vernon. Um, we call her Vern for short. Um, and probably one of the biggest lessons I learned from her was, uh, this speech that she would give before every single opening night performance that was um, the amateur or amateur speech. Um, and it essentially boils down to, uh, you know, we were all amateur actors and the root of amateur is amour, which is to love. And she would say that there is no better reason to do theater than for the love of it. So that really resonated with me. And even to this day is something that, um, really grounds me in my work. And she was the first person to really introduce me to acting as something that could be a realistic career path for me. Um, so yeah, her, her guidance and support in those early years was major. Cause I, I don't know if this would have, if I would have followed this path, otherwise it might've just been like a hobby. Um, so yeah, she, she showed me that and I decided to go for it and see where this path could take me. So majored in acting in college. I was very fortunate and got um, an agent from my senior showcase, moved to Chicago and just kind of hit the ground running. So that's, that's like so my exciting. acting journey in a nutshell to this point. I love that. Are you so fresh cool. out of college? Uh, two years, almost to the day. Okay. <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so cool. Um, so then how did, like, what was your audition process like for fire? Cause I know I was reading, I think on your IMDb, like this is, I think your first acting role officially. It is. Yes. Yes. Professionally. Yes. This is the first yeah. TV thing I've ever done. Um, yeah. So my, the process of my audition from start to finish was roughly a week long. Um, so my very first a notice for it was a mm-hmm. self-tape request and I almost actually didn't even do it <laughs> because I got the request like pretty late in the day and I was working one of my part-time jobs at the time and wasn't going to get off my work shift until like 8 p.m that evening mm-hmm. and it was due the next day so I was like okay how am I going to make this work how am I going to learn these lines like I don't know if I want to go home and like set up my self-tape thing and do all the things but I, you know, I did it. I learned the lines and like my downtime during my shift and on my way home on the bus. And I was lucky enough to have roommates who were willing to like jump in and be my reader and stuff last minute. So I got the tape done. Didn't know how it turned out, but I sent it off. And then like a day or two later, I got noticed that they wanted to come bring me in for a callback. Um, and that was an in-person callback. Uh, so I, Went to Claire Simon uh, like two days later, I want to say, and did the in-person audition. And I was so nervous. Like I'd never done anything like that before. I had never met Claire Simon before. So I was super intimidated about that. Um, I kind of just like blacked out a little bit for that audition, but felt pretty good leaving the room. And then that night I got put on first refusal. So like a hold um, Mm -hmm. for the role. And then didn't hear anything for about four days. And then after that four days, I got an email from my agent and they were saying that they wanted to see like more material from me essentially. So I sent off, like cobbled together some auditions that I had done. Cause I, because I was fresh out of 
college. I didn't really have any professional mm-hmm. footage to send yeah. them. Uh, but luckily I had done a few videos with um, the video services department of my college. So I sent them that, sent them the auditions, waited for two more days and then got the, the call that I had got the, uh, got the role, um, which was crazy too, because the role of Kylie originally was only supposed to be like two, maybe three episodes tops. So wow. the fact that they've kept me around for this long is just mind blowing. Like I'm still pitching myself about it. That's, That's fantastic. So cool. That's great. So how familiar were you with the shows before you auditioned? Were you familiar with the idea of a shared universe? Uh, I definitely had heard of the shows and knew a little bit about it, but hadn't really watched anything other than like little here and there what my family would watch like when I was growing up but Mm -hmm. um yeah didn't really know a ton about it going into it and then watched a little bit of season eight just to prep for my audition but yeah it was very very new (laughs) for sure (laughs) what do you think about oh sorry go ahead ahead. no I was gonna say what do you what do you think about the idea of a shared universe on this scale I think it's really really cool I mean especially because that very much is how those, um, you know, those areas interact in real life with like the hospital and the cops and and the firefighters. So it's, it's so, it's such a cool idea to bring that all together into one show. So then you get to not only see the way that these departments maybe interact in real life, but also you get to see all your favorite characters and the crossovers. It's just like the, the room for opportunity is so grand. And that's, such a fun space to get to play in yeah um I was gonna ask you I know you said you went back and watched a little bit of season eight have you ever gone back and watched any of like the older seasons I haven't yet I haven't yet that's one of the things that's on my to-do list but I haven't made it there yet I've watched all of season eight and then all of this season but but yes (laughs) working on it (laughs) um so in terms of Kylie as a character, we know that a lot of actors typically like bring a little bit of this themselves to the characters they play. But like, in what ways would you say that you are similar to Kylie? And what ways do you think you're different from Kylie? For sure. Um, I would say Kylie and I are definitely more similar than we are different. Um, you know, for one thing, we're both, we have that newbie-ness about us coming into this like very well-oiled machine and kind of finding our footing, finding our place, um, still having so much to learn and so much to prove. So I, I very much relate to her in that regard. Um, but also just like her, her deep drive and passion for wanting to help people and really wanting to make some kind of a positive impact in the world. Um, I, I know that's something me personally, I strive towards. And I think that that was something that very much initially drew Kylie into the Girls on Fire program initially was just like, you know, the poster of like, are you a badass? It's like almost a challenge, but also like you want to rise to meet it. You want to prove that you can make this difference. Um, So I I resonate with her in that way. And I also feel like we both um, try to lead with positivity and hope, even when maybe our own lives have things going on under the surface you know even if we're dealing with things like trying to bring that positive light and just be as uplifting as you can and 
yeah, I think that's something we share. I would say we differ the most in, um, oh, how do we, honestly, her, her struggles with, with money and her family, I'm very fortunate to not have had been put in a position where I've had to, you know, work to help my family make ends meet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we find out with, um, her working this donut shop job that like, she doesn't really have that choice. Um, so that's definitely somewhere where we differ. I think that I I've never had to go through that kind of hardship before. And I admire her a lot for the strength that she has persevering through that experience. Nice, nice. And so uh, the majority of Kylie scenes are with Stella. Um, Brian actually talked to Miranda the other day and she went on about how much she loves you and how, <laughs> how awesome you are. And so yeah. your turn to tell us, what is it like working with Miranda? Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> I don't have enough good things to say about working with Miranda. Like truly, she, she took me under her wing from day one when we were, I was shooting my very first scene out on the apron and it was really cold that day and I had no idea what I was doing (laughs) I remember we were I was like taking the clipboard from her in the scene and my hands were like shaking and a little purple and she was like no 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 we're gonna go get you like heat packs for your hand right now (laughs) so she did that and like I leaned over to her at one point and was like is this going okay like am I doing all right and she was like you're you're killing it like don't even stress and so even from that first day she welcomed me into the fold so quickly and with so much love and that's just increased the more we've gotten to work together um I've I've gotten to go over to her house a few times and spend some time with her one-on-one and we just connect in such a cool way and she challenges my art in a way that I love and getting to play and explore with her is just, it's been so much fun. I, I truly, I gush about her all the time. <laughs> so do we. <Yeah. laughs> I was going to say, she full on gushed about you. So oh, yeah, clearly. Yeah. My whole heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so since Kylie started working at the firehouse, we've gotten to obviously seen her interact with a few other people other than Stella. Like, is there anyone though you haven't really gotten to work with yet on the fire cast that you would want to? Ooh, I would like to interact with the paramedics a little bit more. I think, I think doing things with Brett and Violet would be so much fun just to get to know them, not only more as people, but um, yeah, just playing in that sphere a little more. I think I would really enjoy that. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. So I'm curious what the fan reaction has been like, you know, if you've, if you've heard any feedback like that, because I mean, frankly, let, let's be real. Kylie skyrocketed to popularity when she single-handedly saved Stella Ride. So <laughs> yes. when, what has the fan reaction been like? What has the feedback been like? It's been overwhelmingly positive. Like <laughs> I, yes, I've gotten so many people who have reached out to me uh, specifically about the Stella Ride thing, which I was so surprised by, but yeah, just like so much love and support. I've had people say like, Kylie's one of my favorite characters and she inspires me so much, which is like all that I want to do with my acting is just inspire people to, you know, be their best selves or to lift them out of a bad mood or whatever it may be. Like, so, so hearing that from people that, you know, my little bit of screen time has inspired them in some way is been really incredible. 
Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Um, And I know, like you kind of mentioned, like you're not always around um, and Mm -hmm. despite not always being around, like we've, I feel like seen a lot of growth from Kylie in the last, you know, little bit, um, which I think is also really on display in this week's episode. And I'm curious, like, where would you like to see Kylie go from here? I, I mean, end goal, I would really love to see her as like a full firefighter, you know, like I think that Stella Kid is like her I like dream icon role you know like I think that is the trajectory that she is aiming for um so I mean in that regard I would I would love to see her get more involved with plot lines like this week's episode where she's really you know getting into the nitty-gritty of these um these emergencies and and kind of getting to help out in a more direct way like that is that was such a fun thing to get to do and to, to get to be on set like a whole day. That was crazy. (laughs) But yeah, that's, I think what I would like to see is, is her getting in the fray a little bit more as time goes on. I also really want to try out the, the firefighter gear, the full gear. I would love to see what that feels like. (laughs) I've heard so many things. Brenda's done it. You've done it. Brenda. I did get to put it on. It's, it's wild. It's, it's wild it's so heavy and I yes. I can't even imagine I can't I wore it for like two minutes and I was like okay I'm ready to take this off too cool. much yes that's funny yeah. that's funny and so uh you know what do you have a favorite scene a favorite scene that you filmed so far is there anything that sticks out Ooh, favorite scene I mean apart from this week's episode because everything about this week's episode I just love with my whole heart um but uh, apart from that I would say my favorite scene was with um Eamon Chief Bowden in his office with the standing desk where she comes in and she's like look just just be straight with me like you don't need to be treating me any kind of way like just just be honest like this needs to be an open relationship you know like I I loved filming that scene with Eamon and at one point I remember saying the line like I learned something new every day here and it was just so true <laughs> like for me as a person um and that was the first time I'd really gotten to work in depth with Eamon too and he's just such a remarkable actor and just being around him and watching him work is Oh, like mind blowing. I, I just literally learned so much every day. Um, so that scene was really fun to get to film. We loved yeah. the callback to it in this week's episode when Donna, yes. yeah. <laughs> the standing desk is like becoming its own character. Yeah, yeah it's so good. Um, if you could guest star on Chicago Med or PD, is there a character or actor you would be most excited to work with? Ooh, that is a good question. I don't know to be honest. <laughs> Have I you ever watched either one of them? I've watched like snippets. I've watched little like like one or two episodes here or there. Okay. Yeah. So I don't have a very good answer for that one. I'm sorry. All good. All it's okay. good. It's okay. And you know, since this is your first ever acting role, I mean the sky's the limit here. So is there a specific roller type of character that you know you would love to just cross off your bucket list? Oof. I've I've always been in love with like fantasy kind of characters. Like uh, I love the dystopian universe. Like those were always my favorite types of novels to read. So if I could get to play in some kind of like 
dystopian world or or like a vampire thing like that I think would be a lot of fun to do that's definitely one of my one of the things I would like to do at some point in my life yeah that'd be cool um so we're big tv fans and so we always like to ask when actors come on the podcast like what are you watching on television right now Yes. Um, so I've been on a big Apple TV kick for the last couple of months because I got a free two month trial from my <laughs> Uber points or whatever. So just oh, a cool. hot tip there. <laughs> but uh, so I've been in the middle right now watching the morning show and it's phenomenal. Like the acting from the first episode, like it just sucks you in and oh, the plot is so layered. There's so much going on. Like I'm, I'm three episodes from the end now, I want to say, and I, I can't wait to see how it ends. Um, so that's been the one that I'm in the middle of right now. And then I recently just finished watching Ted Lasso. Yes. Yes. It's so good. It's I just so love good. the way they blend like the American comedy with the British comedy. And it's still like, comedic but also really deep and emotional and the character growth Keely I think is my favorite character all yes. of her like witty one-liners so good so um yeah you see they announced <laughs> season two season two premieres in July oh my gosh that's right oh yeah. that means we're gonna have to get more Apple TV <laughs> that's what yeah they suck you in that's how they do it exactly yes um so those are the two shows that I just recently watched and I'm also a big anime lover um, so I'm in the middle of watching Inuyasha right now. It's kind of an older one, but that's like the very first anime that I ever watched. Um, so I'm doing a rewatch of it with my boyfriend. And we also just watched um, Demon Slayer, which is like one of the, the biggest movies in Japan right now, I want to say. And it's playing in theaters. So we just recently went and watched like the dubbed version on a movie screen and that was such a wild experience to like see an anime on this massive movie screen so a little bit different but also something I've been into lately <laughs> I'm just curious awesome. what was it like being back in a theater for the first time since crazy. the pandemic so crazy the only reason we did it was because we're fully vaccinated now and we right. were like okay we, let's uh, let's just like test the waters feel it out and it felt very safe but, like no yeah. no red flags um but it was really nice just to like eat movie theater popcorn again <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a big popcorn lover my whole family is um so yeah getting to eat movie theater popcorn again was like really nice <laughs> sure so if you're a popcorn lover surely you've had the Chicago style popcorn from Garrett's while you've been in Chicago right just checking of course. priorities yes. I just just checking priorities <laughs> unnecessary question yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and I'm just curious, like, I don't know if you can tease this or not, but do you, do we see more of Kylie this season or was this week it for this season? You get one more glimpse of her. Okay. One more glimpse. Okay. <laughs> double check. Just double yeah. check. <laughs> love it well I think that's about all we've got thank you so much for joining us today yeah. this was awesome uh, tell everybody real fast where can we find you on social media yes absolutely um so you can find me on Instagram um, my handle is at Caitlin K Chanette uh, that's K-A-T-E-L-Y-N-N-K-S-H-E-N-N-E-T-T -T. a little long but um 
that's really the main place where you can find me. I'm not like super great at social media, but I'm trying to get better with Instagram. So yeah, feel free, reach out. Um, I'll get back. I, I'm usually fairly okay. Sometimes it takes me a little while to respond, but um, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on to do this. No, yeah. of course. Thank you for have, coming on and we'll sure be have you back at some point for sure. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to. All right, you guys know where to find us, as always. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything, meetusatmollys at gmail.com. Literally anything. Our inbox is a safe space. Safe space. Safe space. Um, we have a tea public store. Go check that out. They're going to have a ton of site-wide sales during May. So, like, stay tuned because good stuff. Um, don't forget we have a Patreon page if you would like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month. That is awesome. Um, normal schedule going forward, which is nice because, you know, as far as we know, there's no like presidential addresses in the next couple of weeks or, you know, hiatus is no, planned. No, straight through till, remember, till the 26th. Straight through to the 26th. So you will hear from us again next week. So, all right, guys, um, that's about all we've got. So in the meantime, you know, everybody have sweet, sweet, sweet Berzik dreams and have a good rest of the week and a good weekend. And make sure you go listen to our interviews with Miranda and Caitlin. Um, yes yeah make sure you go listen to both of those and we will see you guys next week bye